when you think, well, maybe I don't know enough to teach other people, and yet here's this command to do so. How do I do that? Well, the way to do it is to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and and give it a try. Everybody is teaching somebody something. Even when you aren't teaching, you're teaching. Hello, friends. I'm here with the senior pastor of East White Oak Bible Church. That's Scott Burkle. My name's Craig Whitaker. And uh, you have joined us for the Ask Scott podcast. It's good to be with you today. Oh, it's a joy. Good, good. Let's get right into it, okay? For sure. Uh, You are in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the first few verses of that chapter this week. And it made a great outline, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just this head paragraph and verses 1 and 2, and then these three illustrations that follow up. Of course, Second Timothy is a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And something that we know about Timothy is that he was inclined toward being a little afraid, mm-hmm. being timid. Yeah. Uh, Paul addresses that at another points. Yep. Uh, but here he's encouraging Timothy to be strengthened by what he says, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. How is it that the grace that is in Christ Jesus strengthens me when I'm afraid or timid? Yeah. You know, the chapter 1, verses 8 to 12 was talking about being bold. So you're exactly right that Paul's addressing something that is probably more characteristic of Timothy's personality more than his theology. Uh, But Paul brings theology to bear upon our personalities. And here he says to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Other translations say be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I'm not sure there's a distinction there, but it'd be worth uh, meditating on what it means to be strengthened by or be strong in. I think that the point is, is that you need to reflect upon the grace that Christ Jesus has poured out on us to save us and to equip us to live a life that pleases him. And the more we think about his grace in our lives, the less we think about how circumstances could affect us or how other people could attack us Mm -hmm. or whatever, that when we're overwhelmed by that grace, like we sang yesterday uh, in our service uh, um, where we said, uh, your grace still amazes me, you know, uh, to constantly be aware of that grace. Now, it's true that this impacts other areas that are addressed here in 2 Timothy 2. For example, when he tells us to teach others, there are a lot of people that are very fearful of teaching because they've maybe never taught before. Maybe they don't feel like they know enough. They always look at other teachers and they, and they seem like they know what they're doing. I'm not going to do that. Right. And so when you think, well, maybe I don't know enough to teach other people. And yet here's this command to do so. How do I do that? Well, the way to do it is to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and, and give it a try. Everybody is teaching somebody something. Even when you aren't teaching, mm-hmm. you're teaching right? And so we're just, I think what Paul's saying is simply be more deliberate about it. And the equipping, of course, is for us to always keep in mind the grace that's in Christ. Yeah, that's good. Uh, One of the tasks that Paul calls Timothy to do is make disciples, you know? Yep. Um, And that involves teaching. Uh, And the person that Paul says Timothy ought to be looking for to make a disciple of Mm -hmm. is somebody who is faithful. Yep. And I think sometimes when we think of identifying somebody that we're going to disciple, we're looking for somebody who is 
maybe sharp or, you know, articulate yeah. or has a lot of potential, whatever that might be. And sure. I don't think the first thing that comes to our mind uh, is somebody who's faithful. Yes. What, what, what would it be to find somebody that is faithful? How would you know if they were faithful? Yeah. yeah. So Dan Spader with Sun Life Ministries years ago described this as he was always looking for fat people. And the word fat was an acronym, faithful, available, and teachable. I think a big key, and just an initial one, is for us to think about people who actually show up. So let's say, for example, that you're wanting to pour your life into someone and you schedule a time to get together, and yet they don't show up. And you do it again and they don't show up again. And you do it again and they don't show up again. At some point, you're going to say, you know what? I can't invest my life in a person who's not being faithful, at least even to show up. Mm -hmm. But I think more than that, it means to be a person who is faithful to the gospel. So that if you see significant areas of compromise that a person is making, and they aren't seeking at all to overcome them, but rather always be making excuses to pour your life into such a person when they have absolutely no drive or energy to seek to change sure. uh, could be a, a person that you need to rethink uh, your investment. Yeah. But I think that when you see someone who is eager to learn, who shows up, wants to hear what you have to say, even when they may be some hard things, that's a kind of person that you'd say, wow, I, I want to give more of my life to that person. Yeah. Uh, of course, Paul is a male and he's writing to a male in Timothy and yes. he encourages him to find other faithful males. Yes. Uh, the illustration that he uses of discipleship are sort of male-ish, you know, sure. uh, soldier, athlete, farmer. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a very male activity. Mm. Let's talk mm -hmm. about female discipleship. Yeah. Do males have a role in female discipleship? Is yeah. female discipleship different than male discipleship? Yeah, those are all really great questions. Part of the challenge that we have, I think the at least the a small part of the reason why Paul is very male-oriented here is that women will more naturally go this direction than men do. And if you look at, for example, in, take any church's men's ministry versus women's ministry, and you will see that there's much more natural discipleship things that happen and are planned by women than by men. I'm not too worried, frankly, that women are going to fail to disciple as much as I am worried of men failing to disciple one another. So it may be that Paul is kind of hitting on something that is intrinsic to maleness. Um, however, I think that those illustrations he's giving are because he's writing to an individual who is male. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're going to have those kinds of reflections. It does not mean that there is no such thing as women's discipleship or that they shouldn't be in accordance with the kinds of things that Paul is describing should be true in Paul's uh, um, advocacy of discipleship, that it ought to be with the commitment of a soldier, the co commitment to uh, live according to the rules of an athlete, the commitment of being a hardworking farmer, those things apply across genders. And I don't think he's trying to make a gender distinction here, even as he uses some specific examples that 
may incline you to think more male. Um, I would say that there is a place for men to disciple women, but only in a group context. I think that when we get into individual discipleship, we need to be very cautious of the dynamics that go on there relationally. Because as you are working toward God, one thing that happens is you move in closeness toward one another, and that can lead to temptations that you ought not to bridge those kinds of barriers. Um, And the engagement, I think, in discipleship from men to women should be of a more public nature. Um, So that individual discipleship should be happening on a same-gender basis, I would say. One of the examples that Paul uses as uh, being a good discipler is somebody who is a soldier. Mm -hmm. And that soldiers ought ought not get entangled in civilian pursuits. And one of the examples that you used on Sunday as an entanglement would be politics. Uh, If you're someone that is sensing that they may in fact be entangled in politics. Mm-hmm. How would one self-assess uh, whether that is a, a civilian mm-hmm. pursuit that has entangled them? Yeah. You know, part of the reason why I shared what I did there is I'm talking to myself as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that one way that I test that is how am I spending my time and what is it that I'm getting agitated about? What is it that's motivating me? What's frustrating me? And as I look at the political landscape, it becomes increasingly frustrating. As I look at the opportunities for discipleship, that gets increasingly motivating. And I think that I just wanted to offer that to other people as well. I wasn't in any way trying to say that there's a one-size-fits-all answer for the Christian and engagement in politics. There are some fine Christians, and we want them to be, involved in the political process, uh, engaged in running for office and all that sort of thing. But for every Christian, their higher priority should always be the advance of the gospel, making Christ known, discipling others. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of this little section, Paul gives an encouragement to Timothy to think about these things. Yeah. And you suggested that there's not enough think time Mm -hmm. in the life of the Christian. Uh, So for those who hear you preach week after week, Mm -hmm. how would you suggest we spend think time Mm -hmm. after we've heard you preach? Yeah. You know, one way would be uh, that we're more aware of what's been taught more immediately after the event. After that, our retention starts to drop off so that by... The next day, we're at about 50% of retention, and by a couple of days later, we're at 30% retention. And so if, for example, we took five minutes after a Sunday morning message Mm -hmm. just to get quiet, and I know that's a hard time because you're wanting to get something to eat and all of that, but if you took even five minutes just to say, okay, I'm going to write down the big takeaway that I want to think about. And even if you just write down the big takeaway you want to think about, then the next day when you look at what you wrote down, you'll be able to say, oh yeah, I remember that. Now I can think about that some more, Mm -hmm. you know, and give yourself some time to to just contemplate. 
I think what Paul is saying here is that not everything can be absorbed immediately. Mm-hmm. Not every teaching is something that we just go, well, there it is, ding, 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 I've got it mastered. He's saying to Timothy, look, what I'm saying here has all kinds of ramifications to it that I don't think you're aware of. Just give some thought to it, and the Lord will give you insight into what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you taking the time to answer these questions. Oh, it's been great. That'll do it for this episode of the Ask Scott podcast, and we look forward to joining joining you the next time (laughs) we answer your questions about 2 Timothy. Thank <laughs> you.